Welcome to the Dividend Talk podcast, episode 72. Another set of popular quarter three earnings. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Dividend Talk. We're almost to the end of the earnings seasons, but we really still want to talk a bit about some very interesting earnings this week. And with Dividend Wave as a guest today, who can definitely give us some great insight in some of those. But hey, let's get started. See you on the inside. Yo, Dividend Wave, long time no speaking here on the show. How are you doing? All great, EDGI. Uh, long week, long week, but uh, I'm very glad and uh, honored to be invited again to, to the show. And yeah. Thank you. Um, big shoes to fill in uh, for uh, our own EMF. Uh, so I'll do, uh, I'll do my best without the Irish accent. Yes, exactly. So EMF couldn't make it today. Uh, he has some uh, things to do at home. So it uh, prevented him from recording the podcast today. But EMF, if you're listening, um, I'm really looking forward to have you back next week again. But uh, today, Dividend Wave will uh, carry the show for us. I, it was a crazy week. If you look at earnings seasons, the stock market, was there anything that caught your attention this week? Uh, yeah, sure, DGI. So look, it's uh, it's amazing. These earnings, uh, earnings season and all the events. Uh, you have numbers flying out above expectation, below expectation, better, worse than the previous year, and uh, and then obviously guidance and so on. And uh, what really caught my attention this week was uh, the uh, the sentence that you usually quote, and I, I really love it, which is, it's a market of stocks and uh, not a stock market. You, uh, you've quoted this quite a few times in the show, and th this week is just the example of it right yeah. we had uh moderna and uh, peloton part of uh, the nasdaq 100 and they fell more than 30 percent uh for the week and uh they're actually uh 50 and 60 percent uh down from all-time highs and uh so it, it was crushing right and yeah. yet the nasdaq it uh, is at uh, an all-time high so there you go. That's wow. your the perfect uh, example of uh, of your uh, of your quote. Yeah, well, it's really interesting here, right? A thirty percent drop, right, means you need to recover fifty percent right. in growth again, right? These are numbers. I mean, and then when you think about Peloton, I mean, in the end, it's it's a bike with an iPad, a really nice <laughs> one, right? A really beautiful one, right? But wasn't it the ultimate pandemic play? peloton and now that the summer who wanted to buy a peloton in the summer exactly and uh last year we were all stuck at home so a lot of buying last year probably a lot of people uh wanted uh started the beginning of 2020 uh staying at home saw the yeah. consequences of it the fridge nearby and so on yeah uh, less uh less uh time outside so definitely a big hurdle for peloton yeah. I honestly, I, I'm not, I, I'm not following the company, so I, I, I hardly can tell you the details. I, I just saw the headlines, but the numbers didn't look, didn't look good. No, but this is typical popular growth stock, but 
you know what it is with these growth stocks? They can make you a lot of money, right? But there's this concept of moat. And I wonder if Peloton really has moat. It has it has an A brand within the industry, but it's probably not sticky enough if it can have such a numbers, right? And and this is really where the proof of the pudding is in the eating, I think. It might recover again, of course, when we have a tough winter, uh, everything. But I think um, the hype, uh, you know, is out of it now, and maybe it it gets to more reasonable levels now that we. Because there's also the thing, right? In the end, it's a weighing machine, like Benjamin Graham said. Exactly. In the yeah. end, they start following earnings, whether it's growth stock or not. Because what means a growth stock, really? Is a growth stock uh, another word for justification for an insane multiple? Yeah. Yeah, that's, the, that's what everybody is chasing, growing whatever... Uh, yeah. Before profits or before uh, free cash flow comes to the balance sheet, everybody is chasing good uh, good growth stories, and uh, I think everybody is attracted to it. It's uh, there's something interesting about it, right? And uh, but it, it's another world that I don't understand as well. And it's yeah. I, I have a few small bets here and there on on growth, but uh, just uh, going by price. Uh, uh, or the the price to sales ratio already makes me itchy. I can tell you. <laughs> or uh, balance sheet optionality. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean I, I really have a. I look at it like this. I chose dividend investing. It's my circle of competence. Um, I I hope really that everyone makes money in the stock market. And and we were talking a bit before the show about uh, crypto investing. I get a lot of questions from crypto investors somehow i feel that they are pushing me into this look i have a lot of a lot of respect for people that make a lot of money with crypto um here i just would like to see that people are a bit more humble and and respect that other people might have other investment strategies i'm probably more like a boomer i like cash is king i want to see the money coming in it's like ka-ching every every day when i get a dividend in that makes me joyful i wouldn't know how to deal with crow stocks i don't know how to sell let alone understanding the valuation of a shit coin or an altcoin or what what was the other one a sheep coin uh, so shibino shibino yeah so anyway um well i think it's never a dull moment it's really crazy times really nice and maybe it's time then to um go into some of the earnings results and is there a company that you would like to bring up today one that you um, uh, I, I would like to go uh, straight away to Pfizer because I, I was really impressed with uh, with uh, uh, the, the the earnings of, of Pfizer itself. Right, um, we we had Pfizer at uh, essentially delivering uh, revenue at uh, plus plus 130 percent. So that's insane, right? And the the most impressive of it was the 13 billion in uh, COVID vaccines that they sold. So that that's actually more than the underlying business that was 11 billion that's wow. incredible that's yeah. really really uh, an amazing feat i, I think uh, getting uh, getting all these vaccines out getting um, uh, obviously then uh, net income uh, we don't know we don't know yet the cash flow because the 10q is not out mm -hmm. but uh, net income and eps were whatever 400% up so that that's yeah. really insane but what I really wanted to talk about this company is uh, basically two things. One is 
there, uh, an analyst made a very interesting question over the, the earnings call. He was, he was saying, uh, you'll probably be net cash positive by the end of the year. So the, yes. the, with all the vaccine sales, they, they will probably go from net debt to, to net cash positive. So, so what's going to be your allocation? And they, they were talking about a lot of uh, that they will want to be very active in, uh, in acquisitions and uh, targeting a lot of companies that have promising products. And they were talking towards the, the back end of the decade, right? Mm -hmm. Which also makes sense because they probably got these tailwinds for the next two, three years. Uh, between the vaccine and now the the, the announced uh, cure, let's yeah. call it like that, yeah. the pill uh, that is is here to come and probably will give them a boost for the next two three years. So so that looks a very smart strategy from my point of view. Um, and the, the second thing I wanted to talk about was was really the, um, the the board, how important the board can be, right? Because we know companies where I believe the board is not working at all, like yeah. AT and T. Yeah, and I, I've been a bit vocal about this, uh, but here it's actually the very opposite. We have um, uh, Scott Gottlieb that that used to be the FDA commissioner from 2017 to 2019. He serves on the board of Pfizer, and he was appointed as well to the regulatory and compliance committee and the science and technology committee. Mm -hmm. So you've got somebody with a huge experience. His background, you can go read it uh, on the um, on the press release that Pfizer um, when, when he was appointed uh, in 2019. But having somebody that can navigate the system knows um, knows what is the the procedure, what are the approvals, what is the FDA looking for mm -hmm. when they do an approval, how uh, the story needs to be told, right? Because a lot of it is a is is how you show the data and yes. how we influence and you show to the larger public that this has a net positive impact for the the individual for society as a yeah. whole right and you can see it and, and i see it here because i was talking about moderna earlier and uh, the, that it crashed 30 percent this week and pfizer uh with the same incremental amount of vaccines is just keeping getting stronger uh, and i believe part of it is due to dr Scott Leap, uh, Gottlieb, uh, no. the the fact that they have him in the board and his credibility and his public voice as well is helping because you see the two vaccines side by side. One is only available for adults like Moderna. Yeah. The, the rest is still waiting. And this week we had Pfizer getting a, an, a, a recommendation from the panel to, to go for children already. So adults yeah. are already there, teenagers there and now children. So this is very impressive that you see a company getting somebody with this stature to the board. And I think more yeah. companies should think about the people that they have in the board and what they bring to the table, right? Yeah, because often when you look at the, the committees, it's like an old boys network of uh, every league, uh, gray hairy uh, people, right? So, and this is really smart move. And it's also interesting, right? What a gift COVID has been for, for Pfizer. It's really like the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing, amazing. And I, I watched the other day a little bit of a documentary about the um, founders of BioNTech and right. how they started, um, um, what they effectively did when they got, you know, notion of, of COVID-19, like in early January or December already that year. They, they just, you know, stopped everything they were doing and focused fully on this. 
and on, on creating this mRNA vaccine. And it was the first time that they were doing this. They went to Pfizer, actually, to, to, uh, to, to see if they would be interested. And they said initially, no. Yeah, so then only like uh, a few months later, Pfizer was starting to be interested. This is really interesting because there must have been someone in the board that said in the beginning, like, nah, you know, these kids there or something like that. Well, this was a really, really well-known uh, uh, person. He and his wife that, that effectively BioNTech was like a garage, a garage kind of startup. Uh, of course, with a lot of funding, they had already a, a former business they sold, I think, for 150 million. So th these were really like on the leading edge. And, and the corporate culture probably in Pfizer almost prevented them to take a deal with BioNTech. And, and, and this is for me really interesting um, uh, how, how, how this could have also turned the total other way. And now it's kind of a lifesaver for Pfizer and putting it ahead of the game of the whole competition. Right. And this is so interesting, right? How small details can really make all the difference here in such a situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think you're totally right. And I've, I've read a, a bit about their story about the couple. It's, it's fascinating as well that uh, they're really science minded. Apparently, they spend countless hours on the labs and so on. So exactly. it's amazing. Their story is amazing as well. And, yeah. and the other thing about these vaccines that, that has gotten me as well to think a lot is exactly what you said that this that something happened that it was BioNTech and essentially Moderna that had zero, zero products before. It, it's their first product, right? Yeah. The, 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 yeah. the vaccine is their first product that, that they have, um, uh, that they've had approval for. It's, uh, but the failure of the incumbents, Merck mm -hmm. and the GSK, they failed, right? Yeah. They, don't have, yeah, they yeah. don't have a COVID vaccine. So for me, that's very interesting as well that uh, it was the non-incumbents and uh, yeah. a small player like the, the 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 couple in germany and moderna with no product behind that that got to to yeah. this stage so very interesting and that the mrna is actually delivering apparently by all that we know better results than the 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 classical formulations like uh janssen and uh yeah. and sputnik yeah, you know in the end I don't know how much people know about it, but in the end, it's, it's just a competition. It's code, yeah, and and right. you can uh, you can code DNA and mRNA, and and that's all it is about. And the 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 engineering behind it is really really complex, yeah, and 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 the the delivery of it, uh, yeah, into the bodies, it's really really complex. But in the end, it's code, and, yeah. and this is this is the breakthrough in science. So now it's more like. Um, have, being able to do it at scale, that's the biggest challenge of the industry, of course. And I think here we see that they have been able to do something here at scale. And that's just amazing. It's like not just a vaccine for COVID. It's also really a breakthrough in the way um, uh, the world can invent drugs. And, and, yeah. and that's what it is also about. So a no, really nice story for Pfizer. And, um yeah, I need to have another look at it one time again. It is this stock that I always shy away from when I see it. But with all this money coming in, it's like you'd be crazy not to have a bucket in your arm on the other end and just catching some of it. <laughs> exactly. And uh, and let's see the 10Q next week. I'm I'm super curious to see where the cash position is at, but I, I'm yeah. I'm gonna guess it's uh, it's enormous. Yeah. Well, you know, um, only management can fuck this up. <laughs> yeah. Good. So I uh, let's from Pfizer and let's go a little bit uh, to Europe and 
there's been you know an interesting company i think in the community is uh, fanovia yeah uh, who, who owns a lot of real estate in germany uh, politically sensitive with with the after the elections as well the the share price has been literally going nowhere really over the over the over the last months it's trading slightly about 50 uh, euro at the moment but there was some good news um i believe it was like more than a week ago that they got like 86 or 87 percent of the voting rights of deutsche Wohne. so the acquisition you can also consider that almost done and you know they've been actually doing quite well because um their funds from operations, that's kind of the free cash flow when you look at real estate investment trusts, um, has been growing nicely, uh, really nicely with 12 to 13% year over year. Um, a lot of that has to do with, for instance, um, I said, with, with new investments coming, I said, online, I guess. That's uh, new projects having been delivered where they can start having people to, to rent. So uh, the investments are really starting to pay off now that, that effectively, um, I said, their their FFO is growing, and this is really really bumping their um, their cash at the moment. And so far, in the first nine months, they're already at two euro per um, uh, per share. I expect them free funds from operations to be around two euro fifty. So in that case, you would get this company for a multiple of twenty. I still find it quite uh, on the expensive end um here but you know in, in 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 the current market conditions if you look at where the general indexes are it's not too expensive um maybe good to to mention that um, if you think about the analysts they are more optimistic than i am and they have an average target price of around 65 uh, euro people that follow me a little bit on uh, on youtube they know that i i shared last uh or this week uh, research where analysts are generally 25 percent too optimistic compared to the ex expectations in the real delivery so if you discount theirs with 25 percent, maybe you come closer to the real share price as it is today i find it really interesting but um, i would still like to see it drop a little bit i find the yield a bit too low for for a real estate uh, company but i know it's really popular in the uh, community specifically also uh, the german listeners so it's a for me it's a really high quality company with a really amazing growth track record but I, I i don't see that the current growth justifies the multiple so all in all good earnings to be clear good earnings but the company should grow faster to justify the current valuation in my opinion yeah. and then good by the way that with the deutsche Wohne. Uh, they, 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 you know, got 87% of the voting rights. I think that cleared really a lot up for the company. Very good. Um, I believe you uh, also looked into another pharma company, right? Yes, I did. It's apparently it's uh, Pharma Week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's actually Abvi. So I, I, I just wanted because you guys last week uh, recorded the episode on Thursday, so the, the results yeah. were only Friday morning. Um, and I have to say, I'm really impressed. The, the company, I cannot, I'm, I'm still scratching my head about, so what wasn't there to like on the, on the call? Because uh, uh, Humira was still growing, but the weight as overall for the company is, uh, is down. So that's a dream scenario, right? Yeah. Because they had the two, uh, the two other immunology drugs like Skyrezy and Rinvoc. Uh, increasing uh, 
very high double digit and and, and triple digit so really outstanding and uh, you can see that they are starting to take uh, with the uh, additional and the supplemental um, uh, approvals they're they're getting more and more applications so they're they're taking even share from uh, from uh, from not share from Humira. That's maybe an exaggeration, but they're they're building their importance in the in the portfolio. Um, the other one was the free cash flow. It's insane. The, so essentially, they had 17 billion in cash flow for the first nine months of the year, which already uh, surpasses uh, what they did for the full year um, of 2020. Mm -hmm. So really, really strong. And one that we will have, uh, I think you and me are in agreement, but in disagreement with uh, with our friend Dividend Dane is is on the debt. I I really like that they uh, that they've they've done nine billion uh, net debt reduction already uh, in uh, this year with uh, with payments that seem to be on schedule for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they're coming to a critical period in their history, right? Humira is going to go. Um, uh, have competition from biosimilars as of 2023. Mm. They're still digesting uh, the, the the big uh, takeover of Allergen, right? So yeah. um, there's still a big there's still a big digestion moment and, the, and a critical moment. So I would not like them to see go to uh, the next couple of years with uh, with an inflated uh, debt and uh, and mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and uh, a lot of debt in the balance sheet because yeah. they may need it. They may need the firepower. For more M and A, for other yeah. other elements to defend their uh, lawyers, <laughs> yeah. to defend yeah, yeah. their uh, to defend their applications and so on. So honestly, I I think it's prudent. It's it's a prudent. It's in a risk management uh, perspective. I, yeah. I I understand what Dividend Dane is saying about capital. I I get it. It's 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 a logical consequence of it, but it's also one of those critical moments of history that I think. Uh, uh, playing a bit defensive is also positive in this case. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So what? 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 Uh, maybe for the listeners that don't follow us too closely on social media, dividend Day is saying like, don't worry about the debt. Yeah, even if it's high, it's uh, it's a simple ABC. As long as return on invested capital is is more than the weighted average cost of capital, you should be fine because the company is generating. But to your point, if income will drop. Yeah, then the return on invested capital figures will start to look worse, right? And and this is what we're expecting here, um, actually. And 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 by the way, a balance sheet gives so much flexibility. When you have sudden a sudden drop of income, and and you know, then then you're you need to do your interest payments. You need to do your debt. You can roll over debt, of course, but you know we might see higher interest going forward. All of this brings risk. To the company and to the balance sheet which the company doesn't need if it has these kinds of cash flow i believe it should be in a capital allocation first focus on on debt reductions then probably even buybacks and then dividend increasement in the case of uh, this company i think that abvi i mean if you think about it historically it was a spin-off from abbott right yeah then and effectively this spin off this, this pharma business here with a main blockbuster, but a one-trick pony. Think about Gilead, a one-trick pony with their uh, was it their um, was it HIV uh, drugs? Uh, uh, hepatitis C, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. Gilead struggles to do acquisitions, proper acquisitions that that have this impact. 
and then Upfi buys, you know, Botox. It's brilliant from a diversification point of view. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the diversification in the pipeline, and and we have been discussing this uh, a lot. So there are really two metrics that I look at: is the the share of revenue overall from from Mira on a declining trend. I want to see that trend declining, and the debt decline. It's doing this, and and also via really smart acquisitions. For me, this this this, this management is so far proving to be one of the best managements in, in, in the whole pharma industry. I'm really impressed with this. Uh, absolutely. And I think the CEO, Richard Gonzalez, has got a magnificent, magnificent track record already from the Abbott days. Yeah. Um, I think the pipeline is is also where I'm where I'm very impressed with how they're managing it as well. Yeah. Uh, just over the last, uh, you have to go read the, the press release. It's really outstanding, the, the, the highlights that they do of the quarter. Yeah. But even uh, having bought uh, Allergan, uh, they're still uh, having uh, products from the Allergan pipeline. So that's amazing. Yeah, 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 exactly. You buy another company and they have now a migraine product that is coming yeah. from the Allergan pipeline. Yeah. So they, they have they they have been in uh, uh, they have their ventures that was a similar concept that Abbott used to have. So they mm -hmm. have the Abbey ventures. So they have many fingers in many pies in uh, yeah. when it comes to having access to um, uh, companies that have promising products and uh, helping them launch and uh, getting uh, the the bulk of the of the profit. A bit like Pfizer is yeah. doing with uh, with BioNTech. Yeah. So, so for me, um, you know, people that follow me, I've got already a full position for two or three years. I don't want it to increase more. Um, I bought at around $67 uh, average price. So that, that was cheap. Yes, yes it dirt, was. Dirt cheap. I think now it's for me trading around fair value. If you continue the, um, uh, if, if you, if you take the depth load into consideration, I think many people feel like based on multiples that it's cheap. I don't think. I think it's for a reason already trading for so such a long time around this level, because if I do my assessment, I, I come I come at these kinds of fair value prices that is trading around now. Uh, if it would have a much cleaner balance sheet that would go more uh, cash flow to the equity owners, then it would be a more interesting uh, uh, buy. But the debt is for me keeping the price down at the moment, and yeah. Uh, if, if I would I would say if you, if anyone doesn't have Upfi yet, they should definitely have a look into it. It gives a nice yield, nice company, well managed. Might be interesting for a starting position, but definitely uh, when it dips further again, one time. Right, and the cherry on top of the cake was the dividend increase of uh, oh. announced last week, eight and a half percent. So it's not the double digits that we've been used to, but uh, it's fully understandable why the cautious management. So even that I like. So I cannot. Uh, it's a, it's funny when the companies are kind of delivering. You have a bit. Uh, you have a bit of a rosy uh, rosy glasses, right? You see everything ah. in a more uh, compassionate ah. way, and uh, everything seems good. Tell me, did you got last year an eight and a half percent dividend? Uh, sorry, salary increase at work? Uh, I did not. No, not there. You go. Look! Look so, at what they are doing to us. Exactly. That's that's how they spoil us. And uh, as long as they keep that cash flow growing, we're good. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for bringing up here. Up. Uh, it's it's really an exciting company to 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 keep track on. So then, last but not least, uh, maybe from my side, let's stay a little bit still in the uh, pharma world or the medical world because also Fresenius reported their earnings. 
and I really found it a mixed bag. And when you go through their so Fresenius, this hospital care, they also own a piece of Fresenius medical care. Generally, these are really well-run businesses, but Fresenius really struggles with COVID-19. And, and then they mentioned it also in their uh, report. Uh, I, I don't even know, and I don't even understand exactly why it is a headwind. I guess that when the hospitals are occupied with people of COVID, they're probably not so profitable also when when people die quickly uh as well it, it sounds really bad of course but uh, it has an impact on the business and it's all over the place in their quarterly report they expect it also to be worse in quarter four so they they are not optimistic i guess also about the act uh, i said the impact of the the vaccines uh, on society and probably the the lack of adherence to uh, of people taking vaccines or something like that but uh as simple like that their management says if if the hospitalizations goes up it impacts our earnings negatively so and this for seniors and that's why they're struggling still this year um effectively with their earnings they have been raising their their sales outlook um also they are expecting the the earnings to 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 be a, on the top end of their guidance but it doesn't come from a high uh, basis. They were already really, really conservative. So sales grew, grew with 5%, net income with a, a meager 2% in Q3. And you need to know Q3 is the summer, which is tends to be a good good summer, a good, good uh, period for when it comes to COVID. Um, what can I say more about the company? Um, yeah, I think it, it, it is... When you think about just simple on the back of a napkin, uh, they earned around two to two euro forty over the first uh, three months. So if you think about two euro forty, that uh, another seventy cents with it. Think think about three ten. You're getting this company probably for a multiple of twelve or thirteen, yeah, and that's really cheap. The dividend is really uh, well covered. You get it for a yield of two point two percent. I think this dividend can still grow for many years to come from this basis. So if, if you're interested in owning some Fresenius, I'm, I'm looking at it. Um, it is interesting from a valuation point of view. I just have this threshold of 2.75% for, for dividend stocks. So I, I just wanted to, to dip a little bit more. But it's really not, not expensive in my opinion at the moment. So let's say consider me potentially a buyer in the low uh, in, in the low 30s let's say when it dips below 35 it was trading there earlier this year uh, around february march so maybe after the winter or after after new year i get another chance if if there are again lots of COVID cases okay well, what's the frequency of the of the dividend of Fresenius? what do you remember once or twice um, a year? Or... I fought once a year, but I'm not entirely sure. With European companies, it's either indeed annual or, or biannual um, because I don't own free seniors yet. I don't have experience with okay. your dividend payment dates. Um, but other than that, I find it a really interesting company. Um, I think it has a strong mode. Uh, this company will not go away anytime soon. It's for me the typical example of a slow co compounder. And I like slow compounders as as like as part of the the core of my portfolio, because you see like many years ahead whether the business is going worse or not. So it gives you enough time to uh, 
to make decisions and choices. Okay. Very interesting. I, I don't know if it's the case of, uh, because if you remember last year, there were a lot of uh, company headwinds regarding the um, uh, the delay of elective surgeries, right? Because the hospitals were kind of yeah. taking care of COVID patients. Yeah. So every other elective surgery or other procedures was, uh, yeah. I'm, not saying, I'm saying surgery, uh, patient care yeah. was postponed and, and so on. So there was a uh, that, lot of, uh, yeah. I don't know if that's the case. That, that's a good point. And this is also impacting big pharma, right? If, for instance, people cannot get uh, treated for cancer because the, the, the hospitals are full. You know, it, it doesn't allow big pharma to sell enough drugs. Yeah. So going back to uh, Apfi, it's even yeah. more impressive. So Yeah, and uh, we had the case of uh, Johnson & Johnson, right? The, yeah. the, the, the medical devices part uh, yeah. was kind of disastrous throughout uh, 2020. Yeah, and 2021, by the way. Yeah, it was not too bad. The last one was pretty good. Okay, we we disagree there, but this is a topic <laughs> for another time. <laughs> okay, so uh, these were four earnings. We know Realty Income had some earnings. There were many other companies, but we, we I mean, we could talk for hours probably, but I don't know if people will fall asleep then uh, after a while. Um, but let's go to the next section. That's a portfolio review. I got a really nice um, uh, email from one of the Dutch listeners called Dennis. He shared his whole portfolio with us and he's, he's really interested in our uh, thoughts about this portfolio. We will do the top five here. Um, what he said is like he has a lot of stocks in his portfolio because he's just passionate about following many companies. Um, but to help a little bit uh, um, to clarify what this top five looks like. so. Dennis has 17% in a, in a basket of dividend ETFs. Um, he didn't mention the tickers, but that's, that's his largest position allocated to dividend ETFs. Then Johnson Johnson, 8%, so sticker G&G. Then Shell, 5%. And then, and that's his top three. And then there comes a long list of 4% of 3M, Broadcom, Clorox, Unilever, PepsiCo, Danone, and Realty Income. So let's consider this is top five. And then my question to you is, what do you think about it as a different uh, growth investor? So, uh, Dennis. I think by the time you listen to this, it's going to be morning. So I, I really enjoyed that. And I, we were talking just very briefly before the, the podcast. I, I'm actually very impressed with, uh, with the top five. I, I like this uh, ETF approach, that uh, 17%. Always depends on what's in there, right? And that's uh, that's 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 always a topic and what type of companies. But that's also there's always a good starting point, right? And to get to know the weight of the of the companies within that ETF, it's a it's a very good exposure. Uh, and if uh, if this is the way to go, get the ETF, then start get to know the companies. And I think I don't know if this is what uh, Dennis was was going for, but it seems to let me buy the ETF and then let me start looking at companies that I understand, that I like, that I've, uh, yeah. I feel more comfortable in investing. And, and personally, I, I, could, I think that the top five looks very interesting. Johnson & Johnson, uh, super stable, AAA rated, uh, what's there to say, a monster. Uh, Shell, we made debate because of the dividend cut last year, uh, a little bit of a struggle with the headwinds. And um, and the company uh, not sticking to the dividend, but but still anyway, it's I think you've described it well over the last few episodes about the energy transition, a lot of the the gas bat, um, the, the L, LNG, right? So uh, 
the, the company is here to stay for a, for a few years. And 3M, I'm, I'm a shareholder as well on that. And, and Broadcom, AVGO, uh, I'm also a, a shareholder. I, I like those companies. I, I think those companies, uh, one in materials, 3M, very well-known conglomerate, all of this diversity within the company, right? You have, you have that diversity yeah. of, uh, of the segments. And, and Broadcom uh, as well, quite diversified and uh, in uh, in tech with uh, with the acquisition a couple of years ago uh, with Cementech with security. So great, great uh, top five tennis. Right? Yeah, and Broadcom. I think uh, last year March I saw it going to 150, and I was thinking like, oh, maybe I should have it. What is it now? I, I didn't check the price, but wasn't it like now 450 or something like that? It, it is. It is. Yeah, it's amazing. No, so I'm I'm totally with you. I think Dennis has a Dennis. You have an awesome portfolio. I'm jealous on your core of having ETF in there. Um, I think it's a really wise decision to have like like Jim Cramer actually always says. I know that Jim Cramer in America is always controversial, but I read his book about get rich slowly or something like that, and um, he always says the first ten thousand put it in ETFs have it as your core and then start building with individual stock picks around it. I like that approach a lot because it de-risks um, here and it allows investors also to get used to investing, right? And this is why, what I like so much about it. He also mentioned, by the way, in his uh, narrative that he's thinking about selling IBM for either Microsoft, Intel or Cisco. Um, Dennis, people consider me an IBM hater. I don't, I don't hate them. I, I just find them charlatans, liars, corporate frauds in their communication and trying to fool us. Um, I have nothing with the products itself. So, I mean, literally nothing. <laughs> so that's, I guess, the point. Um, and so for me, um, I think it's a wise decision. Um, and, and maybe you should consider just buying the three of those. With Microsoft, you get a lot of growth behind it, a lot of momentum. With Intel, you get an undervalued stock. And with Cisco, you get a you get a kind of a I don't know turnaround bet. It's it's a little bit in in, in no man's land, but uh, with a brilliant CEO uh, on top of it. So yeah, but IBM, I think uh, it's wise wise to consider this. As of this week, he's got actually two companies. You should have IBM and Kendrill. So I, I would sell yeah. the one where the current CEO is and keep the other one. <laughs> So it's still IBM. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So Dennis, really, really, really good, um, really, really good portfolio. Also, the other tickets all in there. Uh, well designed. I'm quite jealous on some of those positions. So well done. Okay. So then um, let's go to the next section of our uh, podcast. And the last section today is the listeners' questions. And I think we need to start with Phil. And maybe you would like to try this one a different way. If he is saying like time is limited and valuable, if you only had one hour per week to manage your finances, how would you spend it? It's funny because uh, the reply that I was going to give, he replied immediately after and Phil said, no, 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 ETFs, ETFs are out of the question. So because that was going to be my reply. If I cannot track it and I cannot manage it, then I might as well be in ETFs. If yeah, uh, and I think that's that's the I know Phil that's not the answer that you want to listen to, but that's the I believe it's the right answer. If you don't track your companies, if you don't have the time 
to to go through 10Ks, 10Qs, to to research a little bit the companies, what what can go wrong, what can go right, what are the optionalities of the company, then go for ETFs. But if I only had one hour a week, was it one hour a week? Yeah, I I would just uh, I, I would just try to to go through uh, the the last ten Qs, ten Ks, try to understand uh, the the from their material and their presentations what's going on because I yeah. think that's that's the fundamental from your core, what's changing, what's going on. Yeah. Uh, same here, Phil. If you're listening, you don't get to decide what we are answering here on the <laughs> dividend talk. It's our show, although you're part of it, Phil, with all your questions. But uh, come on, one hour a week, you know, that is for me logging in, searching the ticker, and and finding the courage to to hit the buy button. That's already one hour a week. So what what, what else can you do than an ETF? Yeah, N nothing. So it would be an ETF probably um at, at least it would still allow me to avoid um fund managers doing this job for you and and raking in raking in big commissions so i cannot imagine doing anything else than etf if it's my money if it was like in the euros i would probably um uh, just just ask my dog to to select uh, something might even do better actually than my current portfolio but no it would always be etf I thought it was octopus that uh, that do this. Uh... Yeah, we have octopus. I remember, but in the Netherlands is a it's a gorilla that is uh, oh, yeah? performing the uh, the index every year, or the analyst. <laughs> so yeah. good. So the next question uh, I will take this one is from Martin, and he is asking about Rio Tinto. Uh, he knew because I purchased it the other day, and he asked me what what do I like about them and and what is the fair value. So what I like about the stock, and you need to see it in context from portfolio diversification. I've got BHP Billiton uh, in my portfolio. I bought like six years ago. And this has been a cash machine. It is not reliable in dividend growth. Sometimes the dividend is a bit more than, than a little bit less because it follows the cycle and the cash flow. And it, it typically pays out a certain amount of the cash flow. But if I look over time and and the, the, the dividends that BHP Billiton has given me, it's it's one of my best payers in dividends. And the same here I saw in Rio. Um, so you have kind of a floor in 3-4% yield. But I believe with the last dividend, it was around 9% yield or 10% yield just because of the, the, the additional dividend that they give on top of it. So this is what I really like about Rio. It has strong assets behind it. And with both, and that's why I said in context, with both BHP and, um, and, and Rio, we are talking about, for me, owning almost the whole market here in, in mining. And, and, and they have a little bit of focus on different materials, but this is why I like Rio. Um, I find the valuation uh, interesting. I, I, I don't anymore know exactly. I thought I bought it 52. I think it dropped after that now, so uh, it might be interesting for me to buy more. I don't know exactly anymore the fair value. I put it in a video. Probably it was somewhere in the high 50s or the low 60s, uh, something like that, because I, I only buy such stocks when it's undervalued. So yeah, that's why I like it. It's, it will never be a core position. It's a tier four position for my portfolio, which means like uh, maximum, uh, I believe, 1% of my portfolio overall. But these are like cash machines and dividends, and that's what I like about it. Yeah. 
and with a with a green revolution, there's a lot more mining to come. So it's uh, yeah, exactly. it's an interesting. Exactly. It's always an interesting one, and infrastructure bills and whatever is coming. So yeah. Okay, then uh, the next question is from Thiago, and he is asking. Uh, uh, in this case, maybe it's for you. Uh, I can take it as well. But what are your top three positions in your portfolio? Uh, uh, PM, MO, and uh, Microsoft or Abvi. It's uh, they're very close. So I didn't have time to check, but about this and why. Uh, it's the Lynch uh, start where you understand, and that's where I started, and it's still big. Yeah, it's uh, a good one. So, so I for me is also Microsoft. And second one is Shell. Third is Ahold. Microsoft has been um, long in the top one already for for two three years. Shell, Ahold are all the time switching with Unilever and and and, and some of the other companies. But we have seen the recent run up in Shell, so that's why it's there now. I'm really happy with it. I posted an article today on my blog as well about the impact of dividend reinvestment in Shell. And it's been doing me really well. So that's my top three. And why those? Just because I, I believe in their long-term prospects. Simple like that. Okay, next question from uh, Forward Dividends. And he's asking about our thoughts about Novartis disposing its rush stake this week for 19 billion euros, uh, Swiss francs. So maybe, maybe I will take this because I've been uh, studying especially Novartis. Look, I think it's a brilliant move. I know that uh, the rush shares are currently quite richly valued, but we're talking here about the voting shares and they had 33% voting rights. And, and, and this means that the board of directors of rush always had to, you know, kind of seek permission from Novartis. And there's not a good position to be in. I think if you look at it from these, these historical companies uh, in Switzerland, I believe they are just three kilometers from each other, these headquarters. But I think Rush is in a much better position at the moment historically than Novartis. So it should be the way it should have been the way around, not like it is now. So I think it's clever for Rush to to repurchase their share. It will it will bring some leverage to their balance sheet, but I think um, they can handle it quite easily from cash flow. Probably they will pay it off in the next six, seven years. And you know, it's uh, Rush has a really good capital discipline, so I think it's a really good, really good move of uh, Rush. It allows them to execute quicker without having like a competitor having maybe the wrong incentives about what Rush is doing as well. So it's a, it's an interesting scenario. I had no clue about this, but uh, yeah. when presented the scenario, it seems like a very Swiss. Uh, yeah, interesting, uh, convoluted uh, way yeah, exactly. of dominating your uh, your competitor. Very interesting. Exactly. I didn't know about this. Yeah. Um, then the next question is from Centrino, and it's maybe for you. And he's asking, uh, what's your preferred dividend stock that yields about 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 five point five percent? Wow. <laughs> well, my favorite would be if Abvi falls below a hundred and three. Technically, yeah. they would be 5.5, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's still a big drop. That's a more than 10% drop because Abvi was almost uh, with the with the recent dividend hike. They're uh, almost at five. Uh, but if he pushes me, then I'll say Altria. Uh, I think Altria will not grow the share price. If anything, uh, it will slightly go down. Uh, on the short term, there's a lot of. Uh, this, guys, this is me just talking. I'm 
I have no clue where the market is going to go. Is yeah, but uh, well, it goes that, up or it goes down. Oh, it goes down or sideways. Yeah. Or sideways, yeah. <laughs> Fugazi, Fugazi. That that's the only guarantee we can give. It goes exactly. up or down or sideways. <laughs> but uh, but just to say that on the short term, I I see a, a bit of uh, of the headwinds uh, regarding the uh, the the discussions and. Um, uh, if nothing happens, they will be forbidden to to sell their heat not burn product uh, within, uh, or it goes to presidential review. But it doesn't matter. So the, I, I foresee some turbulence on the short term. Uh, I think it's a company that is still here to stay for a while. It's staying as some staying power, and it still has the uh, the ABI uh, stake that is still there. Um, they took a, a write down on it recently. It's still got some value there, so they still um, can, can use it either to keep uh, generating cash flow for the shareholders or get rid of it and buy back part of the company or invest in something else. Who knows? Yeah. But if you push me for above 5.5 MO. Super. Thanks. Um, we have still two questions to go. So the next one's from Pinto. He's asking. He's saying that he has only MPW as a real estate investment trust in uh, in his portfolio, and he would like to know which real estate investment trust do we should we consider at this moment. So honestly, I'm not considering any anyone now, Pinto. But I have few on my list that I want to own already for some time, and the first one is Castellum. So once it uh, drops to 200 uh, Swedish crowns, it's a Swedish uh, real estate company. I'm a buyer. I've got already a buy order for like three or four months. Didn't reach it yet, but it will one time. Um, the second one uh, would be also real uh, realty income. Just um, I would like to have it with a, a ten percent discount from where it's trading today. Um, I have already a full position Omega Healthcare, but if I wouldn't have, I would still consider it. It's a it's a high yielder and. Uh, it, it spices up the portfolio a little bit, but over time it has done me really well. And then the last company that I've not bought, but that I could consider if I really pushed myself would be SL Green Realty Corp. It owns a lot of assets in New York, so shopping centers and such. It has an uh, almost 5% dividend yield. And I think it is also still attractively uh, valued at the at the moment so these are four companies that could be interesting for you uh, sl green you find it by the ticker slg okay then the last question is a really nice and interesting one and um, this one requires a little bit of introduction and it comes from the diff collector and he has an interesting situation um he 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 sold his apartment that doubled over the last four years so talking about investing who can say that so that's really nice and he, and 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 then that starts i think now where the trouble starts because he's going to buy a new house with his girlfriend and it le leaves him with a 70k of surplus i assume this is money um and as a dividend investor he knows obviously what to do with this money uh, but um uh, yeah, he's just seeking for uh, he's seeking for advice of course we don't give advice but it's still advice uh what to do with such a large amount and he finds that good to know he thinks that the stock market is really expensive at the moment uh, but at the same time he knows that he shouldn't time the market so yeah. what would you do if you get 75 uh, 
gay and surplus and, and you start living together with your girlfriend or you, or you you buy a house with your girlfriend let's say like uh, that first i think my wife is going to be jealous about uh, me sharing a house with uh, with a girlfriend but <laughs> <laughs> besides that point I think it's a it's a it's a tough spot, honestly. The we were just discussing earlier that the Nasdaq is a all time high, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't mean that it cannot it will continue. Uh, I think over time, uh, I think the yeah. stock market has shown us that that it will increase. But but it's a tough it's a tough moment because I've I've been over the last two months I've bought almost nothing as well because. I, in every rational person that knows that they should not time the market, there's a market timer. Yeah. So I'm honestly, it's a it's an interesting one. But I I would probably start uh, being a dividend investor. Uh, I I would probably start to uh, to deploy into uh, yeah either or can be ETFs like like Dennis was yeah. doing earlier, like uh, your previous listener. Yeah. Can be ETFs. Can be. Uh, I, I'm not going to rule out a bit of growth because I, yeah. I had a few bets. Actually, I was going to say my third, if you would have asked me uh, a month ago, PayPal would have been my third largest position. Nice. But meanwhile, you see it dropped. But yeah. uh, I would deploy it in um, in uh, in either ETF, uh, dividend or not, but, uh, but I would go for dividend growing stocks. Yeah. So the only thing I would still take into consideration is inflation is really high at the moment. Um, so I would definitely do not do nothing. Um, probably if, if I would have 75K like that now, I would probably spread it out over like 25K per year and just buy uh, 2000 uh, euro per month in dividend stocks on top of what I would already buy for my savings rate, spread it out over three years. If there comes a dip, like a 30, 40% market crash, you can take the rest of the money forward. I will probably do it like that. I don't time the market. I don't lose too much money on inflation either uh, by having it on the bank account. The nice thing is if you deploy it every month, you know for sure you will not deploy it every time in the same stock because other stocks uh, come down from time to time. We, we know that Intel is now uh, trading uh, at, at low valuations. Uh, Baba, uh, Alibaba came down. Not a dividend stock, of course, but there are all the time some opportunities uh, uh, popping up. Uh, for me, for instance, Bristol Myers at the moment uh, is, is a nice and interesting company. So with that, I think if you start adding 2000 per month, in this case, I think it allows you still to uh, nicely dollar cost average. And yeah, you have some uh, war chest for when shit really hits the fan as well. No crypto? Me? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. No re crypto recommendation? No Shiba Inu? No, no, no crypto. It's not my circle of competence. Um, I, I tell you, the first time I will buy a coin, everything will crash afterwards. <laughs> that's how it goes with me in life so <laughs> let let me know up front yeah exactly i actually have in my office here i have a i have a picture of the wall street uh, cheese sheet and it shows you um, a stock market graph like a, a share price a stock index graph and it shows all the psychological emotions uh, besides it like like uh, when people are in euphoria and such and i think i've seen this one yeah. online somewhere yeah, so I printed it one time and it is there to remind me because when I hear those terms, they are literally written on there and it shows us a little bit probably where we are, you know, 
just the Fed and the ECB, they just killed this whole narrative because they just put a put onto the market that if it wants to go down, they just buy everything like they have been doing. And so it doesn't 100% apply anymore. But hey, hey different way, if we, we came to the end of the show, thank you so much for, for, for stepping in today. It, it's really a pleasure for having you on the show. Really, thank you. Always great, TDGI. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, again, my pleasure. Thank you. So to all the listeners, don't forget, we have also a Facebook page, um, Dividend Talk. You will find it. I'll put also the link in the description um, of the podcast. Uh, more and more engagement is happening there. We also turned it on private settings so that your friends and family or your wife or your husband will not see what you're asking here uh, and what you're doing with your finances. So uh, join us on Facebook and uh, enjoy the conversation. Have a great day, everyone.